Good morning, everyone. Let me unmute here so I can hear my good morning. Good morning, can you hear me? Okay. So I assume everybody has the Marmachemis, the Psukim from last time. And we will let you know in the next week or two, we're trying to move back to the shul for the shear. And we will uh, keep you posted in the meantime. Uh, we will first uh, mention, of course, nothing's ever a coincidence. And we're just beginning the Maisa with Eglon Melech Mayav. We saw right before Yantiv how he had a stranglehold for 18 years. And the person, the tzaddik, is going to be the next Shefet, Eyed Ben Geira, who we began to introduce, is going to use a method which might appear underhanded, but it's not, because it's a matter of fact, uh, mentioned your article on the lefties. I took another look at it. I'd seen it once because if it went into the uh, Zman, right? But South Pole was said for what reason? Why is it called the South Pole? I don't remember. South as opposed to South is, is worse than North? You're a lefty also? No. Uh, right? South, it would be down like this. South yeah, but why would it be? <laughs> That's a, says like any other discrimination against lefties. Okay, so, uh, so lefties have, um, everybody has their um, strengths and weaknesses, and the article is all about, you gave it to Gedalia, who was a lefty, which I just found out from last week. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I was reminded at the beginning of your shtickle that you gave full disclaimer that you were a lefty also. So I got all the reminders of all the people who are lefties. So Ahab ben Geira was a lefty because then it was extremely rare because he used to change them to be right-handed, as they mentioned at the end of the year. And before we go back into it, I want to mention that the amazing thing that is all a matter of timing from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we lined Megillus Rus just two days ago. And Vayhi b'mei shveit hashavtim. So when was that? So there are many Mepharshim that say that the Shveit HaShaftim, Lashon Rabim, were either Dever and Barak. Shiloh was Barak an actual Shaftim or not, but he certainly was helping her run it. And the other option is Ehud Ben Geira and Shamgar, who's going to take over at the very end of his life. He had the longest reign, so to speak, 80 years. So it's very fascinating that the backdrop of Ehud and everything we're going to learn, there's also a young Tzadikis, who's coming back with her shvigar, Terry Tisrael, and to place it exactly, it was already Machlech, because the Medrash was at this Shefet or the next Shefet during that time, but where does Bayez fit in, where does Yusin fit in, is Yusin, is he not, where does that fit in the list? Something we're going to have to get back to. There are other things going on, just like we said by Pelegish Begiva, and Pelegish Begiva is mentioned at the very end of Shefetim, but many before Shem say it was toward the beginning. So the fact that it's not written here is not necessarily a raya. Uh, what's interesting is Shmuel Hanavi wrote Shavtim and he wrote Rus. He wrote Rus because he will anoint David to be the king and Dayig and the other rabble-rousers will always be there trying to take away due to their jealousy and say he can't be king and he can't even be part of Klai Yisrael and uh, there is no drasha, Mo'avala, So one of the many reasons that it was written was to teach us this din, and to, of course, tell us that not only is David Roy Lova Bakol, he's Roy Lamalchus, and the Malchus can only come from him, as we spoke about on Shabbos, has to come Davka through him and through Shlomo Melech, 
who came from Dover Melech and Basheva. And we explained on Shabbos uh, why that's unique in the tshuva and the fixing things up. And he represents the, the tikkun. And that's why it has to be the Ram and the Pirish Mishnah. He says, Dafka Thushlam Melch, not any of Dover Melch's sons. So Shmuel and Avi write Shaftim and writes Rus. And just make a mental note now that Rus is in Ksuvim and Shaftim is in Nevi'im. Is there enough Kamina between Nevi'im and Ksuvim? Probably. There are enough Kaminas. The question is, what are they? Uh, Daniel's also in Ksuvim, even though Daniel was a Navi. The Gemara Megillah says he wasn't a Navi, but he had all the things that he wrote down. Sounds like a Navi. So some say he didn't give the Nevuah to Klai Yisrael directly, only in writing, so he's not called the same type of Navi. So there's a lot to talk about of what Shmuel put where. But he wrote both. And what we just learned in Megillah's Ruz is all the things he wrote over there were the setting up, so to speak, of the future Malchus based David, and that might be happening at the same time that we're talking about Eben Gera, Ge- Ge- which is Daniel, fascinating. Daniel had no prophecy in Eretz right? Well, Yechezkel didn't either. That's rare. He, he started, yes, so yes, that, yes. Daniel's yeah. right. So that already makes it a drop uh, different. The question is, is it lower? Because you look at Daniel and you look at Zechariah, they're both talking about very mysterious things about Achras Ayamim. Sounds the same. Zechariah had a that he gave directly to Kai Yisrael. Daniel wrote it down. That's one of the chiluk, and they say this. It's certainly not the only chiluk. So, it's just um, interesting. We're going to, if you didn't know this, you'd learn about Eben Geras, the second Shafid, relatively early. We're talking about Eglon, but as soon as you hear about Eglon, your ears should perk up, because Eglon is either the father of Rus and Arpa, the grandfather. Uh, we had many shitas we discussed over Yantif. The Geras of Arpan Rus, which is the most fascinating sugya of them all. When was the Geras Chal? So to say that they married Shikses, there is a Shita like that. They did the wrong thing. and They would say, no, they uh, sort of did a Geras, but was there a based in? One interesting Shita, there weren't too many hidden there. Could be Elimelech was a very wealthy person. He put his own entourage, and he had other Jews in his compound, so to speak. Could be there was a basin. Some suggest, some float the idea that it could be a Yochid Mumcha, which is very interesting. Yochid Mumcha, like by Mamedus. Can you have a Yochid Mumcha? Yes, so many Yochid deny there is such a concept, and they say any three. Others say Yochid Mumcha would up. So maybe Elimelech was that Yochid. Maybe Machlin himself, he wasn't related to her yet. Maybe he was the Yochid. Either way... Be a dime for his own son? Well, he's not. It's not for his own son. She's coming as a free agent. They didn't get married yet. So that's the problem. The problem is, if there's an ulterior motive and it's for marriage, it really gets off on the, I don't want to say left foot. That would be a bad. It gets off on the wrong foot. And not every lefty is left-footed, by the way. When I learned Mitzvah Chalitza and Yavamis, I remember I was in Bez Medrash, and the first time you see it talks about a left-footed person, a Chalitza with a left foot. It's a left-footed person. I'm a lefty. A left-footed person. What is that? I, I never stop to think before you learn that sugya. Are you left foot unless you play soccer? In America, we don't really do that too much. So I couldn't figure out. I was seated, seated at a table next to my chavusa. So I couldn't figure out Well, I was left footed. So he said that the obvious test is call somebody over and see which foot he gets up on. So we started doing tests about this magic. You can only get away with that the first three or four tests because then rumor gets around that don't go near Viner because he's just going to ask you to get up and... Uh, <laughs> And, and make sure you get up on your right foot. So we did. It was a very interesting test. The first thing you say if you if you're all friendly and you tell somebody to come here, he said, uh, "What do you want? You have a have a kashi. You need my pen. What do you want? Just to get him to get up." So he said, "No, just get up. I'll tell you when you get here." So 
Then it was interesting to see who got up on the right foot. Do you happen to know whether you're left foot or right foot? If you're not from uh, South America or England, I'm, what? I'm, I'm you, you get, you get, well, you're a righty. So why right. should you be a... Oh, you play soccer. Okay, so that's that's on American. I would say on American, but <laughs> the American Soccer Association is going to be very upset this year. Yeah, left foot. Okay, so um, so the mice, uh, it, it gets off. The gayers gets off on the left foot because you can't do the shame issues. And the lushan of the medrash is it's like they married a shiksi, even if they did a gayers because that's how bad it was. The mice says the if they were makabel mitzvahs. Choice number one is they were, and the gayers was at the beginning. That's the best case scenario. Second one is, and this is probably much more, more in the Pusuk, that Nami tries to convince them to go back. She was testing to see whether they really were Makabal. Ah, they were living with her all the years, keeping Kasher Shabbos. Yeah, they're living with the Shrigger. Of course, they have to keep everything. Now they want to know they're giving Mason Efesh. So she pushed back, and Arpa Taka left at the last minute. And Rus Dovkaba, that means she's Makabal now. It shows Lemafreya that the Geiris was Chal. And then there's a third point by Bayez, where she went to the Mikvah and Makabal to cleanse herself of Vodazar again. Some say that was the Geiris, but that's less likely. It means there was a Mikvah, like extra Tyra, like we use the Mikvah today. Yeah. It seems, it, I, I believe there's Midrashim that, 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 that say that Rus had her Hurim before she married. For sure, there was something there. Obviously, we're talking about the Heligan Hashama to the extreme in a positive way. Uh, but Lamaisa, one was the actual Kabbalah. The fourth possibility is they were Gerim Ketanim. Ketanis, and and now they were around 12, and they had to confirm or deny, Bimeicha, not Bimeicha, Arpa was. Otherwise, how do you send Arpa back? That's in in a minute and a half, um, seven hours of shear of the various Mahalchem, but a quick Chazara. So in the background over here, I want to point something out, because there's a very famous Chazal over here, which is why one day in the Medjish puts the Homaisa by Eglon and by Ed ben And that is that Eglon, as you know, I don't want to spoil the story for you, but as you know, there's going to be an elaborate plan over here, and Ayod's going to um, play uh, cloak and dagger, I guess, literally, and hide the dagger uh, where only a lefty would put it on his right side, and get in. He's going to attempt to assassinate Eglon, and he's going to succeed. And he's going to, to make it easier for him, he's going to ask Eglon to get up, which, if you weigh 700 pounds, is not that easy. And the last thing he did in his lifetime is... I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm not going to get to it this week. But Ayud says, uh, Dvar Hashem. I have the Dvar Hashem. I came back special to tell you. And it's a secret message. And when he hears the Hashem, a, we're going to see a Machlekes, whether he told him to get up because I'm about to say Hashem, get up, I'll cover the interview. Or he understood himself. But either way, it was to his credit that he got up for the Hashivas of the Dvar Hashem. Uh, the Shem Hashem. That's going to be enough. Kamila Alocha, Lagabe, the limit of getting up for Kaddish and Gadusha. We'll get to that also, Mitzvah Shem. And he got up, and he got up, and now that he's up, it's easier to stab him, and he stabs him, and got up, and that was the end of everything. So we all know the Chazal say that in the schus of getting up for the covet of Hashem, he got up, and that schus was so amazing that he was there to have us and have a yad, the Malchus Beis Davin, and Shlomo Malchus, and the Kisei Shlomo Malchus, and Kavaldik. Many people, when they started chazing it over this shvus, they said, wait a second, he got up and he died 10 seconds later. So what do you mean? He had the shvus and he was there for Rush to come out. Pashas' Rus was born already. Love Davka, if Eglon was a grandfather, then could be she wasn't. But it's not shver if she was, because could be she was, and could be she was 10 years old, 20 years old, 30, 30 years old. You need a lot to come into Klai Yisrael and become the Emamalchus. So it's possible that this was another push, so to speak, another schus that should 
get her going in the right direction because of his mysterious nefesh to get up when you're 800 pounds. So it doesn't mean she was born because of that schlitz. It means schlitz of his covered that he displayed, she had siyat tashmaya. And everything is like that. Whenever we do something, children, grandchildren, that has schlitzim, it doesn't mean that later when they're born, it could be they're born already, and they're still going to have schlitzim from it. That's a possibility. Another tzad, I, I, mm-hmm. I don't think we ever discussed this, is they were from Lot, and Lot believed in Hashem. Yes, yes, yes. So what's interesting is, right, so the Shaila is what level of Muna, what, again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want to, there's so many points that I get to Rus, I want to mention it now when it's still fresh in everybody's mind. Uh, yes, they didn't, they weren't complete strangers. But that's a riot that Eglon right. to hear Tvar Hashem. Right, right, right. That's a, it's more Mastabra that Moev. And Moev was not that far from Israel. It's not like they never heard of the Jews and the religion. Oh, oh, very good. So that's a Shiloh. When he said Tvar Hashem, I'm going to hand to you a Nevuah, what language did he say that in? So I, we'll see soon. I have a Raya, uh, the Echernan being a Raya, that he said it in Moabite uh, dialect because it makes a Kavachimer from Eglon that he got up and he was recognizing Hashem being Mechabed Hashem and he only knew Hashem B'Kinui Kavachemer we should what's well, a Kinui? A is not going to say a Kinui as we know it he says Elokim the Pasuk says Shem Hashem one of the answers is he said it in Moabite language whatever language they spoke he didn't say it in Lashon Kodesh because he didn't do it so he only knew the Shem Hashem B'Kinui which is less Chashuv and he was still Mechabed that's part of the Kavachemer Mm-hmm. Basically goes through this. It says that there's a, the meshi steel. I don't even know what it is. No, you, you probably know. no. What was that? What's yeah, the word? It's like uh, the Moabite. Okay. The Moabite, that they wrote in Russian. Yeah, not so, not so bizarre. They even I wouldn't be surprised if they had Ksavivri, the ancient Ksav. Because they were neighbors. Right. They were yeah, yeah. It's not surprised they were not that far. You know, we look at it as uh, Elimelech left. I'm not condoning wait, the Chazal attack it, but like he left to some distant land and he never came back. He was he was pretty close. They took a long, lonely road back, to, but they walked. It's not like it was in Afghanistan. So another, one more thing about Rus, and then we'll go back to, to Ehud and this Kufa. Uh, Samana Taina, that part of the Tikkun of Rus and what she did, you mentioned Light, so I'll, I'll just mention this. Light's downfall, his Achilles heel, which is an expression we try to stop using, uh, <laughs> Going out the hook of saying, but uh, his um, his uh, his uh, at least I you, you learned something for continuing credits, you know, in case anybody needs uh, for uh, for the for the arts. So um, Lamaisa Light had a big gate to her for money. We all know that, and he left Mitzrayim, and he was a knocker already because being next Avmavino Avmavino left Berchus Gadol as a Maisa of Sim Labanim. And Light now is a knocker because he's a billionaire all of a sudden overnight. And it wasn't enough for him. And as we know, he got on to his own ideas of where he wanted to spread out. And Avramavina was too firm and too constricting. And then they got into a fight with the muzzles. And, and uh, Avramavina said, Sechil Hashem already, you're too associated with me. And therefore, you got to go unless you're practicing Diktuk and Cheshemishbut. And therefore, wherever you go, I'm going the opposite. And we know Nebuch, he went to Sadaim, which is the worst place he could possibly go for Yeruchnius. He went there because it was the growing, emerging economy and they were doing Gavaldic, and they were doing Gavaldic because they never spent a penny on anybody else, and they never gave any uh, charity, not in their society, out of the society. So, of course, they were growing. Whatever they made stayed. And he moved into this terrible matzav. So, basically, he gave up his ruchnius for money. 
The Tikkun over here is Rus is a princess, so she can go back home and live like a princess. And she gave everything up in abject poverty and went and picked in the field, the worst of the worst and lowest strata of society, and she gave that up for Ruchnia. So some say that was a, it's a beautiful uh, mahalach. That was a tikkun for what Light did because she was from, uh, she what Maya was from Light. So that's the vestige. It is Isruchag. Shavuos is just behind us, and we should just uh, take it with us for the Maluim for the rest of the year. Let's go to the Pasuk. In your copies, we are on page 8. All of you have it, if you have a regular Navi. Uh, it's uh, Pasuk, uh, let's go back to Pasuk Yud Gimel. We saw these last two Pasukim already, but this is the Shibud. Um, we're in page 8. It's, um, where are we here? Perik Gimel, yes. Perik Gimel. Pasuk uh, Yud Gimel, go back to. Yes, our beloved has been Amon Vamalik. So he comes and he attacks. And he actually comes into Israel and remember, Moiv is near the border, and he takes over Yerichoi, the era Tamar, not the original Yerichoi, which wasn't rebuilt, but the suburb. That's a long time to have a stranglehold on Klai Yisrael, at least that section. And ultimately it gets worse and worse, and they do tshuva, which is the purpose of the tzara. Ish Iter Yad Yamini. We saw Rashi last week that he was a lefty because his right hand was paralyzed or something like that, and he was forced to become a lefty. Gadal, you got the article that was sent via Yaakov? It was an interesting, good article, right? Okay, take a look. You'll see. Uh, you can pass it on to your other lefty and righty friends. So, uh, <laughs> so Lamaisa, uh, the, uh, the fact is he learned well how to use it, and he improvised and he's going to use it to save uh, Klai Yisrael. It's going to become not only something he lives with, it's going to become an advantage over here. He's going to use it uh, to save Klai Yisrael. He's also from Binyamin. Binyamin, by the way, also noteworthy, had uh, many of their finest archers who also lefties. I think you bring that down as well. And uh, Ben Hayamini. So a lot going on there with Binyamin. A lot of, a lot of depth here, as there always is. So after 18 years, this might have been a yearly occurrence, but this time it's going to be uh, very different. They had to pay tax to Eglon. That's part of, uh, there's no fun in ruling over other people if you can't get them to pay tax, unless you're a Moloch, in which case you want to torture and destroy Klai Yisrael, even if you get nothing for it. Uh, the Nazis in Machshem Avizichron would have made a lot more money, even though they confiscated everything. But if you would have used the Jews in your service instead of against you, you wouldn't have sent. At the end of it, they didn't really uh, work on the bomb, which is part of the NACE. The Americans are very nervous during the war that the Nazis are working on the bomb, and hence the Manhattan Project to beat them to it. The end uh, was Meir that they rushed it. Rushed it means it took them only four years, uh, but that's a rush from zero to uh, sixty. And at the end, they didn't need it for the Nazis because Nazis had already lost, but they needed it for the Japanese. So there was a reason why Hashem had them do it anyway. But the irony was is that if the Nazis would have had a Havamina to really be in the race, which they probably did, they wouldn't send out the best and the brightest of all the nuclear physicists of all Jewish. So it's not shot that they decided not to work on anything that was important. They probably stopped working on it because they realized they couldn't compete because they sent everybody over. I mean, how dumb can you be to send Einstein <laughs> and all the other people out? But that's what they did. And that was Meshem Yetzal 
that wasn't just that wasn't low IQ. They were dealing, with, unfortunately, people with an IQ. Uh, but Hashem engineers, no matter how bad and how black and how bleak it looks, Hashem engineers long before the refuel comes what the refuel is going to be. So part of the refuel is you got to pull the plug on the Nazi nuclear program. And then you got to still have it going and think, let the Americans think they're doing it. So they develop it because you got to end the war somewhere else in the Pacific. So that's complicated, but Akash Baruch Hu, uh, does it all and nothing's complicated for Akash Baruch Hu. So Albert Speer, the, uh, Hitler's uh, minister of defense, he said that was, that would be, he said Hitler told him because they can't believe that Einstein, a Jew, could have real science. And he said that was, that he, he, Speer says himself that that was a mistake. That was, they, they yeah, it ended up being a, a crucial mistake. Not just a philosophy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He realized it right away, he realized it afterwards. It wasn't just Einstein. There was a whole slew of them. Most, most of the people working on the Manhattan Project, they were Jewish. So, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just came over. They, like, spoke with a heavy accent. Like, uh, the, you know, the, this is not ancient history. This, these people lived into the... They interviewed them. They still had heavy accents. So um, that's Mehashem Yetzadav, right? You can't... And I'm not saying these people were so firm, although Einstein uh, at least was a mindman on, on, on some level, right? No, not really. God, some of them were so bad that they... Some of them are communists, right? So, uh, unfortunately, uh, there's a Pintel there somewhere. But Lamaisa. The plan was uh, set into, you know, into a process that's very long and hidden as we go. And the fact that I would imagine we don't know when this happened to Ehud, but whatever happened to his arm, whether from birth or when he was a teenager, what accident, whatever happened, the first few minutes he was a he was a tzaddik, he was a tzaddik adar. But you can imagine the first few minutes, days, weeks, he struggled with it and say, why did this happen? But he learned to use it and adapt, and then he realized this. Or another reason, and maybe I should use it to save Klai Israel. So they bring their yearly or quarterly taxes, and they bring a present, and they pay tribute, and it doesn't talk about it besides this one Misa, but I have no reason to believe it didn't happen for 18 years. Just right now, it's going to happen in a way where Ayod is going to use it to uh, get in there, and it's also possible they never thought of it. Now they thought of it and build it as a way to show our Hakaras Atoiv, which was not really warranted, but to keep the peace with Eglon Melech Mayev. So it could be they never did it. And he thought of the plan, and they're going to go with the whole entourage, show them a lot of covid. You can really never go wrong by showing people covid, even if they're evil, or especially if they're evil. And he comes with many, many notables, but he's the head of the Shlichus, so to speak. Yishchu b'nei Yisrael, top line of page 9. Yishchu b'nei Yisrael, b'yada mincha le'eglon melech mayav. So in preparation for this trip, Pasuk Tezayin, Vayas la'ed cherev v'la shnei heyas gaymed arka. It was unique in two aspects. It had two pipias, meaning two sides, the, both sides were sharp, as we explained last week. In the introduction, most people wielded a sword. It was heavy enough and dangerous enough as it is. You had it sharp on one side because you don't want it, if it bounces back, to be slicing in the wrong direction. And that was a standard sword. And then you had super warriors who had a higher PPS, which you can kill two people at once just by going like this back and forth. And if you knew how to be careful and wield it properly, you can kill a lot more people quickly without danger to yourself if you're strong enough and... Uh, Obviously, main thing siat deshmayim. Most people didn't do this. He made a small dagger, gaimed arka. If you look at the rikra right on the Rashi, am katana aragudul. 
they're different types of amas. So the typical ama is from here to here. Now, Chaz Nish holds this around 22 inches, 23 inches, often misquoted as two feet, not that big. And then the Chaim Noah is 18, the Ramosha is in between 22. Uh, it depends on the person. I have a longer ama, your, your ama is probably even longer. Uh, you know, the taller you are, you're taller than me. Um, Lamais over here, from here to here, this ama is, I didn't measure it recently, but it's probably close to the Chaz Nish here. So, the beauty, just to look at Shirim Awacham Sinai. Interestingly enough, speaking of Shavtim, I probably didn't even speak this out, the first Shavit, Asniya Ben Kanaz, who was the Gadol Adar learning, he's the one who actually spelled out the Shirim, because they, they went out in Eitz Yisrael, and the Shirim Akaneged, the Zayas, and the different things, not only in Eitz Yisrael, but he's the one who actually brought back, remember he brought back 3,000 halachas that were forgotten? The Shurim, one of the Alochas, it's all Alochas Sinai, but he brought it back. So, and he needed to, because early on, they're now in Eitz Yisrael, and they got to keep the dinim, and they have to know what it is. Why did Hashem give Shurim and Amas and Tfachim and all sorts of eggs? And, you know, eggs can shrink, and some say they did. And the Hida, Maker, then we pass in because ice is the same size. For the rice of Machmuth and the Hida, when possible. So we eat a lot of matzah. Uh, we eat a lot of cake, but uh, sometimes with the kazesim of the cake, you end up eating enough bam that you have to wash and bench, or at least a shayla thereof. So it has to be a balance. But why did Hashem give shirim in body parts? Why not give in inches, uh, Roman cubits, or something? There was a system then. Why did Hashem do The answer is, terror has to be kept by anybody. You don't have to be a mathematician. You don't have to know how to measure. You don't even have to count. And you have to be able to live in a desert island. So if you have a hand and you have a fist... You can figure it out. That's the Gaza Terrier. So the truth might be, we try to get an exact shear as possible of the average Amma. So a tall person doesn't count. His is bigger, and a short person doesn't. But there are always different Ammas used, and if a person doesn't count, it doesn't have to worry. Maybe I'm slightly above average, below average. That's an important side in how the halachic system works. Exactly, right, right. So it can't be, same thing with Nates. You know, once a year, people always look at me nervously. <laughs> They're all staring at me. Why? Maybe they're staring at me all year, but I only noticed it this morning at 5 in the morning. Why? Because everybody's looking at the clock. And we have an atomic clock with that I hope Einstein didn't, wasn't part of this atomic program because it's always wrong. So I'm not exactly sure what the godless the atomic clock is. But uh, somebody told me, no, it really works. It's just not sending out a signal. So I said, well, you could say the bomb also works also. It just doesn't explode. <laughs> Why doesn't... Cash on my side. Atomic clock is not that exact. But it doesn't bother me because they never had atomic clocks. And the sun came up, and they were standing in different places, high, low, valleys. Now, Shlomazamas are true, we don't exactly know what the din is in a valley. Then, where is the sea level? You look at the bottom today, it tells you a sunrise, sunset, sea level, and three minutes later, Wesley Hills is different. And so, the answer is, and you try your best. And Rabbi Yeshua says this, Beferish. You try your best, and we have good instruments. And if you have them, you should use them, maybe. Somehow, you don't even have to do that. But you try your best, and Nate's obviously is given to mankind, and whatever you do, if you're within a certain range, you got it. That's comforting. That's a pashas. It had, it had to be like that. Now, I will say, is there a mile of using? We have atomic clocks. Some places might have atomic clocks that work. So, is there a mile? You can get one with seconds and milliseconds. I, there probably is only, some say there isn't, because it can't be if... The same reason we don't have an exact science, but it is, why should you try if that's not to dim? But it's not so posh. You're familiar with the Gemara Brachas. Seems to make it sound like, why would you smile all day if you davenate? It's clear you didn't only davenate once in your life. 
Elamai, he had this Ruach HaKadosh that this morning he mamish hit it. That means the other mornings he got schar for getting close. <laughs> there was a mailah and mamish hitting it. That's what it sounds like. So we try, but you're all familiar. This morning we have the slowest soya stroll ever in mankind because <laughs> we're usually trying to make sure we don't miss it, but you don't want to go before because you go before, it's kind of bedievin. It's before an eight. It's, it works, but it's bedievin. So I always err in the side of a few seconds more, and that's when everybody's staring. The uh, clock just turned to 22, whatever the number was. Why did we stop? So that's what's going on in my mind. So um, in case you're wondering, uh, that's, the, that's the process. So over here, the recraw, take a look. I'm a katana aragudu. So over here, instead of going from here to here, it's from here to here, which is a little shorter. It's a smaller ama. They use different size amas for different things uh, in shirim and... It was a dagger big enough to do the job, small enough to get away with it. Uh, we're going to see later when he actually puts it in. I'm going to get too gory so you can come to the Nabi Shir before breakfast or after breakfast if you're going to lose the appetite for a while. But uh, killing Bashaim who don't want to do tshuva, even though he has one schus, is a mitzvah rabba, and he's going to do it, and he's going to do it with zrizis. But he wants a knife that can possibly stay in, which is what's going to happen. Some of Hashem say it happened to his surprise that he thought maybe he'd pull it out, but he just wanted to conceal it. It has to be small because he wants to conceal when he goes to the checkpoint, not because he wants to disappear in the stomach. It's going to do both at the end. And their Madrashim would say it actually disappeared uh, because it wouldn't go in and be propelled. He didn't want to get blood on himself. It's the mile of a big sword. You can hold the end and the tip will get blood. He had a disadvantage. He has a small dagger and he doesn't want to get bloody because he walks out. They're going to say, Sir Ehud, why do you have blood on your hands or on your... And they couldn't find water and go start washing his hands. So some are going to say that when it gets lost, it actually, he doesn't want to put it all the way in because he's going to get blood on his hands and he just put it in and it sort of migrated So that's going to be one of the possibilities. But he's using a small dagger because he's got to smuggle it in. That's the first thing for right now. What was the uh, hashkafa behind the shtei piyas? The shtei piyas are the two sides of a sharp in order to make a dagger that can go further in. But Chazal say it represented his chus and Torah. He was a tremendous lamdan, as Asniel ben Kanaz was, maybe not as great as Asniel. And he was learning, and the chus of Torah is referred to double-edged sword. Double-edged sword in English is an expression that it could be dangerous. That is the pasha of a double-edged sword. It could be dangerous, but... It's the Maila that it could do two things at the same time by going back and forth. And Torah, the Chazal tell us, is the Maila, it's good for you, and it's good for you, and he used the biggest chus to be able to go in with this chus. So he did go in with this chus of Torah, and of course, this chus of Tshuva of Chayisos Tfilas. And that's what he's going in with, because it's going to take a lot of Nisim to get this done. Uh, there were many assassination attempts over the years of various people, most of whom might have deserved it, some of them not. And you need a lot of nisim to... Um, there's a famous mice I'm sure you uh, wrote about in your chronicles on the Holocaust, and they tried to assassinate Hitler once, twice? At least 18 times. 18 times. We don't know about one of them, the bomb that was by the, by the, by the wooden thing that happened to be... A lot more. And it didn't work. So the answer is, and it should have been relatively easy, because they all realized he was a maniac and out of his mind, even if you didn't like Jews. But if a Baruch wants a Torah to go on for X amount of time, it's not going to end a minute earlier, and it's not going to end a minute later. That's you learn from the eighteen times. Wow. To attribute his success from getting away from the attempts as Hashem 
Right. Yeah. 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 So uh, yeah. 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 All of a sudden, he got religious. Yeah, all of a sudden, yeah. So, so somebody should have mentioned him, but it probably wasn't that safe then to mention that demons also exist for a long time, and so do shade them. And yeah, yeah, everything has a time, and then it's not uh, when it's uh, when it's over, it's not going to last a second longer. But Lamaisa, Eid fully understood that there are so many things that go wrong. Getting past the first checkpoint, the second checkpoint is going to take Nisim because they could check both sides, and everything's got to work. And it's got to work uh, seamlessly. So he learns extra the weeks before. And he was learning his whole life. And he asked people to daven more. And it's a famous Misa. They went on a, uh, a very dangerous mission, the uh, IEF. And they had one of the officers had called Panovich to daven. And they said, when should we daven? They said, oh, 0700. Nobody else knew what was going on. They didn't know exactly where the mission was, but we need extra trilas. Okay, that's good. Somebody, somebody in there was wearing either wearing yarmulke or became from a foxhole. What? One of the guys were actually going in. He made that call. Ah, uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> the, the the lack of atheists in the foxholes, right? So, uh, so Lamaisa, the, he started saying to Hillam at six, and they ended up leaving an hour early. And a while later, they, they thanked him, and they said, by the way, we went early, and I hope that Tzila's still hot. He said, no, that's when we started. <laughs> Why'd you start then? So Shach didn't, maybe he was hiding it. It, wasn't, it could have been Ruch HaKesh, but it's not, not necessarily. He said, no, it's his, Chazal tell us that when you're diving, you're supposed to be mocked him the Tzila to the Tzara. So we started an hour earlier. So, <laughs> so you have to have Siat Hashemaya with these things. And uh, Lamaisa. Uh, he knew that going in with all the elaborate plans he has is not going to work without heavy dosages of tefillah and terror. So, again, back to the Pasuk in Tezayin. And again, what works over here is if you're right-handed, you draw your sword on the left side to be able to pull it out. He's left-handed, he puts it small under his clothing on the right side, hoping they're not going to bother checking there. Next page. Page 10, Pasuk Yudzayim. Vayakrev es hamincha le'eglon melech maya ve'eglon ish bari ma'oid. Now, until recently, <laughs> let me explain that for the Americans here. Uh, until recently, uh, like the Victorian era included, uh, if you were heavy, that was a sign of wealth. That was a sign of being very healthy. And Nebuch, if you were skinny, you didn't have what to eat. It wasn't a very good sign. There's something wrong. He was either sick or, or hungry. And that was like that in society for a long, long time. So the heavier a person was, the more he was called Burry. Uh, whether or not they actually lived as long or longer, the lifespan, unfortunately, was often very short. It might be hard to tell, which is probably why they didn't figure it out for a while. Uh, that doesn't mean that we don't have issues, but you got to follow the medicine of the time, and the medicine of the time now is that being as heavy as Eglon is not a good idea. Uh, it's not a good idea over here because it took him so much um, concentration and effort to get up. He was distracted, and he didn't see the knife coming, which is good for the Jews, but uh, he was... You know, he was king for a while, I mean, at least 18 years. <laughs> so he's gone on for a long time. So a spring chicken, he's not. And Ishbari over here means very, we would say healthy, but that's not the translation. It means very uh, heavy. Patim. Uh, so when we say that in chickens, that's considered a sign of health also, but that's because you want more meat. Vayhi, what? Yeah, pump. Yeah, yeah pump. It means, means there's this. We would never buy an animal for what? Yeah, skinny cow. Pyra had nightmares about skinny cows. 
Why was that a nightmare? The answer is skinny cows, not a good sign for prosperity, right? So that's, in animals we understand it, but the Americans don't really understand how it was just a mere hundred years ago or change. It was really, it was really before the 70s. When this thin, uh, you're into this uh, in your publications, when did this start? The 70s, the 60s? Well, later, what? It didn't start... No, 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 no. Before, okay, but but in the Queen Victorian era was when? When did Queen Victoria live? I know the monarchs there live a long time. I don't want to get into. The, I, I'll talk Why this change? You'll tell me some of the background afterwards. Okay, but it was a drastic change. People were more tzniastic. Once the tzniast went. Ah, that's a good. Okay, so that's a that's part of the problem. Mean. Uh huh. Okay. Why? Right, right, right. Okay, so then it was a sign of wealth, though. I mean, the peasants had less to eat, so uh, being thin. Right, right. Probably went with the white bread and the whole wheat bread also. With the, uh, the white bread showed you were wealthy because you had to pay more to sift it more. So that was the same idea. So that's, that, that's the Lashon of Bari. So they bring this whole elaborate gift and with the gift wrapping of the ribbon and they say nice compliments, none of which they meant, and Lamana Shalom and Eglon was in a good mood already, more favorably disposed to them. So then, let's say there were 50 people came in with Ed ben and uh, they all say the things they're supposed to say, and they present the thing, and it was all nice, and they all leave, including Ayud ben And now they leave, and they leave L'Chaira without any intention to go back. Take a look at Yudches in Rashi. V'yishalach ha'am chazal achar v'liva es chabrus Yisrael shebar imo lo seis es amincha. Ead now walks out with the whole chevra v'liva some al Gilgal, and he brings them. He walks them a distance to Gilgal. It's pretty clear. I want to get to the Peliades. So we'll end on this thing to think about. We know that Ead is going to turn around after this and come back himself. And it's pretty clear from this Rashi and this pasuk that and the, the following psukim, that he didn't tell all his close allies and his own officers, he didn't tell them what the plan was. He didn't tell them he's going to turn around. For two reasons. Reason number one is, if you want something to remain top secret, that means, you know, the old, the old bad joke that, uh, you know, in the firm world, the top secret is you can only tell three people to make fun. You can only tell your shvagger, your shvigger, and two of your children, and maybe one son-in-law, and then tell them, swear them in secrecy that they can't tell anybody else. So even before WhatsApp, that didn't really work very well. So a secret is a secret. And Ayud, who was a tzaddik, had two things in mind. He said, number one, he doesn't know what spies are planted, and they've been subjugated for 18 years, and they could be Jews who want to get on their good side, and who knows? So he's not really telling anybody. Number two, he doesn't even want to tell the people very close to him who he's sure he wouldn't say anything because they're afraid they're going to stop him because it's a very, very dangerous mission. And he wants the Achrayas on himself. If something goes wrong, the retaliation will be less if they think he was a solo practitioner. And if they think that the other people knew, more heads, unfortunately, might come off. And he didn't want them in the Achrayas, and he didn't want them talking him out of it. So he didn't tell anybody, which is, gives you an insight into the godless of Ayud. He thought this idea himself, didn't share it with anybody, and is doing something which, as extreme as the Sakana is, if it works wonderful, if it doesn't, then only he is going to get killed, perhaps. Suddenly limiting the risk for the others. And that's what Rashi describes. He walked them out and he kept walking and walked to Gilgal and Gilgal, they went their own ways. And everybody went home and then he loops around and comes back. And when he shows up next week, 
the guards at the first checkpoint and the second checkpoint are going to be very surprised. What are you doing here? He's going to have to make up a story that I had some secret to share with him and I didn't, my own men didn't want to, I wouldn't want them to hear it and only for him, it's only for his ears and that's why I came back alone. And the nace is going to be, they're going to fall for it and let's go to the Peleyets. If you have the copies, um, Ben, I don't know if you have it on your porch. You don't keep a handy Peleyet in your porch, do you? You just print it out so you can listen up. Uh, okay, so we are up to, speaking of people you could trust and can't trust, so we finished last week with the Chiv to make Shalom, on uh, page 3 of the Peleyets, or if you have a real hard copy, the entry called Sinna on page Reish Ayin, Reish Aleph actually, and um, Celtic, if you want to tell them which PDF the Peleyets is, you can remind them if they're sitting at home, if you have it, thank you, and the Sinna is in the middle of the Amud coming on the heels of the Maktim Shalom Lechol Adam and the Haftarech Kamech and settling Machlekesim and the like. So, Sina hi Sinua. Shaleh Amar HaTana. Sina Sabriyas Meitzis Adam Min HaElam. Person is not working on the positive of Haftarech will not be working on the Yisurim of Altisna Sechicha Bevavecha. There are some people who take so listen to the fact that they're not over the Pasuk of Altisna because they let them know what they think of them. So it's no longer Bovavecha. It happens to be that's not ridiculous. It's one less Isser. But the purpose of that is the next part of the Pasuk is rather don't keep it in your heart, get it out in the open in order to fix it. Rather, if you have a time to bring it up, either he'll forever or he'll apologize or, or he won't because he's a coward and he'll make the fight bigger. But that's a possibility. But at least he tried. Would Hebrews mean include non-Jews? Uh, yes, if they're not Balei Avera. If they're Risharim and the Balei Avera, they're the Avodah which will be that Machlekes, whether Christianity is Avodah Zarah for them. But you don't have to hate them if that's the only thing they're doing wrong, because they have what to rely on. Like the Ramah, simple reading of the Ramah, the Pesach Tshuva. Not to be the, but still hold the Chai Misa, but that wouldn't be the problem. The problem is what you alluded to before, and the priestess and all the other things going on, uh, which uh, one of the many silver linings of this Tkufa, which might be a little bit here to stay, certainly a bump up, is in general society. There's been a lot less uh, preachers, and preachers, I say, a very broad category, you'll fill in the rest, going on because if people are in their house and social distancing, it's hard to put it this way. There are places in New York City that are notorious and they've been pretty empty. So that's better for the general air purification of the world in terms of Rukhnius, if you cut down something even 5%, that's saving a lot of Averis. So that's a good thing. And it looks like even if it goes back eventually, it's not going to go back. It's like a long while to have just the freelancing, uh, crazy partying that you have. And that's, uh, I don't think you have to be a Navi or a Hatsi Navi to figure out that that's a prelude to cleaning up the world. I think that's a very positive Note, um, shouldn't have to be a dangerous matzah to have that, but Hashem apparently had to bring it, mitach, the tshuva, and the tefillahs, and that's a big uptick in the world. Um, the fact that there's still sin going on in society, and as we speak, they're burning down um, shops and cities and the like. Uh, that's not Gilead Arias, that's Geneva and Ritzicha. So that's still in the Zion Mitzvah. So <laughs> you'll say, what did we gain going from one to the other? Uh, it's interesting it happened now, sad. It's not good for social distancing if you have crowds uh, 
you know, <laughs> chanting and all sorts of things. Uh, so we don't want uh, the chayli to come back, le'elenu. And it's also not good for society to have violence. So we're not trying to trade anything in, but the the tzniyas in terms of just the fact that people aren't getting as much together, we hope uh, does have a positive outcome. So the answer, short answer to your question uh, is if they're not Rishayim, and they're basically law-abiding citizens, there's no mitzvah to uh, hate them at all. There's no chiyah, it's not reyacha, but the, the heter is only for Rishayim, which he's going to mention. And of course, as many other averas, kasa machlekes and lashon hara and all sorts of things. Kisin atayer madana balad emachlekes de lashon hara v'gam laliyah samech laed. And the Chazal have a very, very unkind look at, rightfully so, of course, at uh, people who are happy when bad things happen to their acquaintances. And even if they don't wish bad on them, but they just laugh when something bad happens, like the proverbial banana peel of which he slips on. There's nothing funny about it. He could slip a disc with Machmalot's line and he could really get hurt, and there's nothing funny about it. Why do people find it funny? So there are books written on this, what the psychology is. But with all the explanations I saw, it's still rotten midas. They're trying to, the book, these, these explanations are written to show that he's not really a bad guy if he's laughing. It's just people laugh and they see something very unusual they don't expect. And that, yeah, maybe part of that's true, but that doesn't show good midas. Chavaz Chaim wouldn't be laughing. If it's a human reaction, then uh, why isn't everybody laughing? The answer is, you've got to work on your midas. So somebody uh, t- told me this Shabbos. I hope he's wrong. But he said there, there are so many people who are bent on that they're making models, and the doctors and those who are arguing, and the Democrats and Republicans, there are so many people who want to come back just to be right. They don't care for that. That's sick. But that's a human condition, I guess, no? Did you hear, did you hear the notion? I guess that's a human condition. Politics. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah, I see, I was right. Uh, that's, but that's, that's sinner. That's not... Uh, sinner is all about covet, by the way. The only reason you don't want to be mechav somebody and love him is because you don't want to equate him because you'd rather push him down so you can make yourself look better. So it all comes from a defense of covet. It's all the same. It's, it's, it's the same pagam that starts this. So yes, you can wish somebody evil and you could... Uh, the books try to weasel out of this, but uh, Lamai said at the end of the day, if somebody even smiles internally, somebody slips in a banana peel, what he's really saying to himself is, he's the Shlomazel and I'm not. Ah, I'm also a Shlomazel, but now everybody sees he's a Shlomazel, so it makes me look better. That's a very bad midah. So that's what he's getting at here. At the Lushen of Garm, Leo Samech Laid, he's happy if something ha- bad happens to somebody else. Leo's Chevelam, Ana, Venekin, Veneter, and of course Nakama, Natira, Kanacha, Shekahena, Ros, Rabbis. Kasabis Farm. Shein, Bechol, Haveris, Averis, Averla, Tadik, Masina. Sina will be an ongoing thing. It's hard to get, like Tama Tarek and Egakulam, every word of Torah. It's hard to get so many Averis in any other department. Sina will keep it going that every moment of the day you're listening, talking Lushen Hara, thinking bad about people. And giving up the all important mitzvah. And if you're walking around in your life with this, even if you don't say a word to anybody, besides not getting the mitzvah, you're being over this iser every moment. If you don't, if you don't uproot the sinner, you're over every moment. So why you're over every moment? The answer is because at this moment you have the sin in your heart. The same thing as Ava in your heart. You got a mitzvah every moment. And Tamatera, every word. Hashem is very, very kaviyocho free with giving schar. He wants to give more schar. There are many opportunities to have something ongoing, but in the Avera department, there's also ongoing Averis. 
of course, lack of the Asa, as we mentioned. It's not just one Avera. It's a mindset which causes ongoing Averas and triggers many other Averas to come along with it. And it's a shame we will pick up on this uh, next week. And we will continue tomorrow night, Monday night, with the uh, Shear on uh, Rafua. And we're in the uh, Messias Asharm at 10 to 9 p.m. Hatzlacha Rabba. Kaltuf. Shimmy, we look. You want to see Shimmy? Shimmy's right here. You know this guy? Hey, Shimmy. Hatzlacha. <laughs> uh,